Look at me doing other podcasts. Look at me sitting down and not doing other stuff. Sometimes I will find myself laying down in my bed for sometimes like six to eight hours on my phone. It, it is horrific to find out how long you can spend on your phone. I read this book when I first moved to Utah called... Um, wait, what book was it? Irresistible. Yeah. The book is called Irresistible. And it's about phone addiction, pretty much. Or pretty much online addiction. From cell phones to video games to you name it. But when the book was written, I think was 2012... He was, he was citing a research paper that said the average person spends two to four hours a day on their phone. But that was 2012. It is almost 10 years later, and I'm pretty sure that number has risen. And I'm, I'm part of that statistic, and it's, it's so sad. Sometimes I'm a good boy. And uh, I, uh, I do other things. But it is, it is too easy to just let your whole day pass. And it's amazing what doesn't actually stick in your head when you're on your phone for eight hours a day. Like, what, what actually stayed in my head afterwards? Everything was passively going in one ear and out the other while on my phone for eight hours a day. That, Oh, my God. I have this idea for an app that I'm not going to make public because if I ever one day want to make it, I want to be the first one to have the thought because I've looked it up. No one has this idea. But it, it, it pertains to online addiction. And... I think it's it's a solid it's a solid idea for an app. But I'm too addicted to my phone to actually make the app. Oh, irony if I ever heard of it. Uh but yeah, I'm I'm recording another podcast, the third one after taking a, a long hiatus, which I tend to do. I tend to take long breaks and I'll probably make six more episodes and then I'll get bored again and just forget about it and not record. That's 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 the pattern. Got to honor the pattern. But yeah, things things are things are good. Ever since I actually started going out and talking to people, I do feel a higher degree of energy throughout my day. Work is more bearable. Because I'm naturally just talking to people. It's weird how that works. Once you just prime yourself, put yourself in the direction of something, it'll just, it'll keep growing. It's funny. So when I first started working at this Korean barbecue place, I didn't talk to anybody. I, there was always people trying to talk to me, but I, I just didn't let them in. 
I'm just and I don't I don't want to guy. I'm sorry. I'm sure you're a cool guy. I'm sure you'd like to hang out, but I just no. I want to do my thing and go home. But now I'm just I'm the one bringing up conversation. And as I'm talking, I'm thinking in my head, whoa, I'm actually this is coming out naturally. I'm not forcing anything. I'm just naturally talking. And I don't hate it. <laughs> I'm not annoyed. What is this? That's strange. But I'm I'm still very much an introvert though because while I do have more energy throughout the day, I'm also exhausted at the same time. Like I get the I have the same feeling I would get whenever I would hang out with groups of friends for like four or five days at a time, like in a row. And I would just be socially drained, my battery. I'd have to go go in a closet somewhere and just where no one can find me so I can just charge. That's kind of how it feels. But it's, it's a good kind of tired. It's the tired that tells you that it's okay to be tired. You know, sometimes you're tired and it doesn't feel justified. And I've, I've had a lot of those days too. Like, why, why am I tired? I, I woke up at a normal time. I haven't done anything. I, I worked out or whatever. I had lunch. But here I am just exhausted. don't want to leave my bed. Maybe that was a, a small form of depression. You know, being a social animal. It doesn't matter how introverted you are. You still need human contact. Even if it's just... Once a week, you know, it's it's still important. So I bet what I was experiencing was a small form of depression. I was drinking more during that time. And when I started going out, I also told myself, oh yeah, I mentioned this in a, in a previous podcast where I was wondering if I was an alcoholic or not. And no, I don't think I am. Conclusion. But... I was putting myself in a position where getting drunk was the only thing to do because I wasn't doing anything else. I would occasionally code, read, play guitar, but, you know, there's still many hours in the day left when you're done with all that stuff. Even hiking. Sometimes going on a hike, I would feel justified. Like, oh, I had a nice little exercise. I'm going to go home and get fucked. And that's what I would do. But since I started going out, before I started going out, before I started telling myself, all right, it's time to, you know, let's just walk around the mall and just say hi to people. Before I started doing that, I told myself I wasn't going to drink during the summer. And so far, I I haven't. You know, I just had to tell myself, okay, no more drinking. That's it. We're good. At least, you know, for now. And unless we're in a setting where we're with a bunch of friends, we're at a bar. Okay, you can drink, whatever. But no more drinking alone at your apartment. Sometimes it can be welcomed. But when it's the default, no. We're not going to make it the, the template. But if, if you find yourself drinking more with people then okay, occasionally it's okay to drink by yourself. But when that's all you're doing, no, that's that's sad. 
That's strange. Humans weren't meant to get drunk alone. I don't know if that's true. But it feels like it. In my head, it feels like it. This seems excessive. But, yeah. Life's okay. Life's never been bad, though. But I guess I did have small forms of depression. People think of depression as, like, being sad. But I don't... Maybe there's... It varies. I don't doubt it. But I feel like the most common form of depression is just nothingness. It's just a blank mind. Not in a good way either. Not in like in a, an enlightened Buddhist blank mind, but a just dead. <laughs> you know, a, a clear mind is, you know, what Buddhists practice, you know, clear your head, clear your mind. But when you're depressed, it's like a dead mind. Just no motivation to do anything. You can't find the motivation because you, you're, you're, it's dead. You can't find it. That's kind of what I, I would think my depression feels like. I don't know if that's what I was going through. But if I had to guess, I would say yes. Because it was hard to work out. It was hard to get off my phone. It was hard to leave my bed. I uh, spent a lot of days in darkness. I didn't have the lights on. I had blackout curtains. So yeah, I was probably depressed. But I'm. I got. I got out of the funk. I got out of the funk. The month of May was a very sloppy month for me. Looking back, that was probably the the most down month I had since living here. But those those moments, they're kind of important too. I I wouldn't say I had any rock bottom moments. I don't know. I guess rock bottom can be relative for depending on who you are. Like what's your version of excess downfall? <laughs> Whatever that means. Cuz some people like Comparing my drinking habits to somebody who was who's a legitimate alcoholic and they need alcohol to just get through the day. Comparing my habits to them, it doesn't seem so bad. But for me, individually, the level of alcoholism I was going through was enough for me to shift. I, I caught it. I was like, okay, this something has to change. Not only am I wasting 15 bucks a week on seltzers, but I'm not doing anything else. I'm just in here getting fucked up. So I, I just stopped. But for some people, I'm sure it's a much more rigorous process to get out of. So I'm lucky in that sense where my habit relative to most alcoholics wasn't that bad. But for me, as an individual, it was bad enough to change. But some people need a rock bottom. Sometimes a rock bottom is all you have to get out of it. You know, rock bottom, you could argue that rock bottom is better. It's better to hit rock bottom than it is to barely not hit it. 
Otherwise, you'll just go through this constant flow of being just enough to feel like you don't necessarily need to change, you know? Like, sometimes you, maybe you have to wake up in bed next to a donkey in order to change. But if you keep waking up in bed next to a... <laughs> next to a, a bobcat, that's a stupid example. But you know what I mean. You need the moment. You need to have that moment that just shifts everything. If you don't have that moment, it's it, it's very easy to just stick with this consistent level that's still shitty for you, but it's not so shitty to where you completely feel like you need to change. So the rock bottom is very crucial for a lot of people. As long as you don't kill yourself hitting rock bottom. Sometimes that's that is rock bottom for people when they they overdo it and they just fall over. But you you get what I'm trying to say. I hope. Rock bottom can be a lifesaver sometimes. Or a life killer. I I never necessarily hit a rock bottom. Maybe I did. I don't But that seems lame to say cuz it honestly wasn't that bad of a problem but it was just I don't know I I was aware enough where I knew this wasn't good so I just stopped that's how I know I'm not an alcoholic because I was just able to just yeah no more no more alcohol we're good at least for the summer let's enjoy the summer sober and but when I go to Miami the rules don't apply there because I'm, I'm with people. I'll be with people and friends for the whole time there. So it's okay. Miami, you're good. But as long as you're living alone in this apartment, no alcohol. And that's okay. I'm not even thinking about it anymore until I brought it up on this podcast. But yeah, sometimes rock bottom is a lifesaver. That'll probably be the title of this podcast. That'll reel people in. Ooh, what's he going to talk about now? Talk about someone fucking a donkey? Okay, John. I'm learning to breathe from a diaphragm. That's sort of been what I've been practicing on the last few days. It's kind of hard to do that when you're standing up. But when you're laying down, they say to, if, you're, if you've gone your life unwittingly breathing from your chest it can be a little difficult to switch to your diaphragm you know it just takes practice and reminding yourself hey the diaphragm but i've always been someone who kind of mumbled and talked very monotonely so and i never you know i always thought it was sort of shyness but a lot of it just comes from you know physical way of posturing myself and breathing. Breathing's a big part of it, and I never really considered it. But when you breathe from your diaphragm, you know, you, you trap more air and you can project more. Also, it's supposed to lower anxiety, so that's always a plus. Yeah, 
I'm, I'm pretty much, I've pretty much nailed nasal breathing at this point. I've been doing it religiously for the last two months now. So it's pretty instinctive at this point. Also, a mewing. I don't know if you people are aware of what mewing is. It's where it's a like a tongue exercise where you stick your tongue on the roof of your mouth where you cover it and have the tip of your tongue touching just barely the back of your teeth and just have your tongue on the roof of your mouth. And it's supposed to, over time, uh, sharpen your jaw. So it's supposed to make it more defined. You know, you're sort of giving your, your jaw a workout when you do this. But I've been doing that too, and it's kind of instinctive when I'm just walking or driving. I'm just mewing and nasal breathing, and it's not even a thought anymore. It's still kind of a thought, but not really. I sleep doing that. I wake up doing that. So if, if you're thinking about like learning how to breathe differently, if you've always been a mouth breather, you should really get a sleep recorder and record yourself during this process and just listen to you sleep the next day. Because I used to never really be a bad snorer, but over time I just became one. And I'm not sure why that was, but I started nasal breathing and the snoring just went away. Almost instantly. I used to, my sleep recorder, it identifies what's snoring and what's other noise, like talking or, I don't know, wind. But it identifies the different noises with different colors. And orange indicated snoring. And it used to be just waves of orange on the audio tracker. But now, none. It's cool. It's, it's cool to see that. I had a dream last night where my teeth fell out. That's like apparently one of the most common dreams to have. And I looked it up. I think it said something about you're anxious about something or you're going through a big life change. One of those things. Uh, but uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know exactly what that would be in my life. But that I, I rarely get those dreams where my teeth just fall out. But I I got it. So I'm curious as, you know, am I am I under a lot of stress right now? I don't think so. I'm actually less stressful. I'm I'm more energized than before based off of what I mentioned earlier. I don't know if I'm going through a big life change either. Not necessarily. If socializing more is a life change, then that's kind of sad. But if that's the case, that's I guess that's a positive form of dreaming about your teeth falling out. Whatever, though. I try not to interpret dreams too much. I'm, no, I'm not Sigmund Freud. But, yeah. I would like to do a podcast with someone else at some point talk to somebody and put it on that'd be pretty cool the app I use allows that you can record with other people for sure more than two more uh, more than three actually Uh, 
I don't doubt you could do more. But yeah, I'm gonna. How long have I been recording? Let me check real quick. Time twenty minutes. Okay, it's been. I've been pretty consistent with like eighteen to twenty-two minutes on these podcasts lately. I remember I I think my longest one was three and a half hours when I was getting drunk off my ass. And I heard my neighbor getting plowed. She's a big woman. I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. But uh, good for her. She's she's getting more action than me. So, yeah, I'm not going to tease her. She should be teasing me in many ways. Just kidding. That's not going to happen. She seems like she'd be a cool person to hang out with, though. I always I always get along well with big women. Just in a friendly sense because it's like both parties are aware that no sexual activity is going to take place. So they're just it's just comfort. Nothing to worry about. I'm not trying to impress her. I'm just being myself. I wish I could approach all women like they were fat women. Just <laughs> That would that would help both of us. Because uh, oftentimes when I approach women, they assume I'm confident because I'm I'm a fairly handsome fella. And then words come out of my mouth like, oh, you're kind of pathetic, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. But that's changing. That's That's been changing. I've, uh, I've been dealing with a lot of childhood traumas the past several months. I've been confronting a lot of issues. <sighs> and uh but as I'm as I'm bringing them out in the open with myself I'm I'm able to identify why certain issues occur with me and uh also just physical habits like the the breathing thing I was talking about where I spent most of my life breathing out of my chest not my diaphragm and just changing that instantly made me a better speaker. And it's still I'm still working on it too. I sometimes I catch myself still breathing, huffing from my chest. If your chest is puffing out when you're breathing, you're doing it wrong. You want your belly to expand, not your chest. You may look bigger with your chest expanding and you might look fatter with your tummy expanding, but it's that's what they say. And from what I've been practicing, it, they're right. I can speak without shouting and still be heard. I like that. The mumbling part, that's probably a different issue. That's more of insecurity if you're mumbling. Because when I mumble, it, it comes from hesitance. You know, maybe I thought of a joke, but I, I, I didn't commit to the joke. So as I'm saying it, I'm already backtracking. I'm already trying to rewind the words back into my mouth. So it just comes out like... People are like, what? John, speak up, boy. I used to hate when people would say that. Speak up. I would get mad at them, even though, obviously, it was my problem. But, yeah, mumbling is a different issue. And I've I've been working on that, you know. 
If, if you have a, if you're going to say something, if you know words are going to come out of your mouth, then just commit to it. That's, that's what I'm telling myself. If words are going to leave your mouth, commit to the words. You're better off committing to them if you know they're going to come out of your mouth. Because if you don't commit, if you hesitate, it's just going to be shit for, for everyone. And it'll make things more uncomfortable. So just commit to the words. If you know for a fact they're going to leave your mouth. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's helped me with, with women, for sure. I used to, when I would try to flirt, you know, I'd be a little, a little cute, pathetic kind of way. And I would backtrack as I'm saying it. And it would just come off as nervous and antsy and frightened but now it, it's it's pretty easy whenever you you realize that most people you know they're not going to be rude or anything they're down for a joke or something uh it just makes things easier once you realize that people are probably just as nervous as you a lot of the times and people you know the biggest hesitancy is assuming nobody wants to talk to you but it but i'm starting to feel like everyone wants to talk most people are extroverts there are more extroverts and introverts in this world and most people are probably thinking the same thing you're thinking where oh I, he, he probably doesn't want to talk or something like that but if you can be the one to to start it and as long as you say it in a way that's committed and doesn't sound needy or pathetic, you know, then people are going to enjoy it. You know, two people can say the same sentence but have completely different results. And if they look the same too, you know, you don't want to put physical traits into play. If they looked the same and said the same thing, but one was a nervous wreck, the other was confident, they'll, they're going to get completely different results because of the the commitment they gave to their words say it with confidence you know that's the that's the the trite thing to say but it's true confidence is key it really is it really is that's that that's something i've learned too um you know when a lot of frustr a lot of guys will get frustrated because Women will say that they want a nice guy, but they always end up not going for the nice guy, or so we think. They go for the asshole, the jerk. But I think uh, nice isn't the word they should be using, and it's not the word we should be accepting from them. When they say they want a nice guy, they, they do want a nice guy, but what they really mean is they want a strong guy, strong versus weak. Not physically, but mentally strong. I think that's that's the thing to be looking for. You can be a nice guy, but if you're weak, which most nice guys tend to be, you know, beta males, she's going to go for the asshole. Because the asshole just has a strong mental mind. You could make arguments, yeah, it's because they're dumb and they don't think very much. Yeah, probably right, but it still works. So if you can learn to be strong mentally and still be smart you know you're invincible you you have 
so many legs ahead of the the dumb guy, the dumb asshole. So that's something to think about. <laughs> I'm I'm learning this all all I'm I'm learning this too as I go along talking about it. I for for someone who reads a lot, I never really put much thought into my relationships. I never read much, I never learned much cuz I never really dated in general. But it was it was always an area in my life that gave me anxiety. So I'm I'm amazed that I never actually looked into it more. Like, why am I not learning more about the thing that makes me anxious? You know, get that out of me. Any any aspect of my now my my whole shift my <laughs> my whole approach to these things have shifted. I so I used to read a lot of like history books and things like that. Things that don't have a direct impact on my life. They're just interesting books. But now I I don't really do that so much anymore. I focus on books that target uh, parts of my life where they need improvement. And the biggest one is probably my relationships. There's still a lot of anxiety, a lot of... What would you call it? Like attachment issues. I, I, I tend to have this issue where if a woman likes me, I tend to become more distant. I, I become more detached. And if a woman doesn't like me, I tend to become more insecure and more clingy. So it's like a catch-22. I, I can't... like. I'm either way I'm fucking myself. So it's it's an area that obviously needs attention. So that's what I've been reading more about. And uh it it helps. It helps, man. Knowledge is power. But implementing the knowledge is what gives it power. You know, you can't just read and have a fact in your head. You have to actually put that fact into use otherwise why? Like, why are you reading this? Why are you learning? What's the point if you're not going to use it? So occasionally I'll, I'll still read a history book or a memoir of some interesting person. But for now, it's just focusing on current issues in my life. And it's helping. It's, it's, a, it's probably the biggest, most important shift in my reading habit is focusing more on me instead of things outside. But the, the outside things are important too. You know, you want to have a rich knowledge of many things. But, you know, I'm, I'm still young. I'm in my 20s. I have years to modify it and get the formula right. But yeah, 31 and a half minutes right now. So, uh... Yeah, that's about all I have to say. I'm just I'm just glad I'm doing another podcast. Never know where it's going to go, but it always goes somewhere. Otherwise, I wouldn't have posted it. Actually, that's not right. I I post those filler episodes. I haven't done one of those in a while, but if I do, you know, if if I feel like the podcast is shit, I'm going to post it as a filler episode. But I should have been doing more of those. Oh.
since I wasn't making any content. But, yep. All right, dudes. Have a good one. I'm going to turn this AC on because I'm hot as hell. All right. Have a good one. Bye.